September 28th, we welcome you to this hour of Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg and Wes along with you. Hopefully your Thursday is going well. We're available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and of course live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Mr. Gilbertson, how are we today? Not too bad, buddy. How about yourself? It's been another one of those days where Wes and I are just barely treading water again today, so we're... uh, we're here. We made it. We've found ways to turn the microphones on, so we're good. Good. It's been another busy Thursday, hey? Yeah, it sure has. It sure has. And the same mixed emotions, the same, yep. uh, you know, somber feelings that uh, that were there yesterday. Uh, yeah, and uh, same disclaimer or same kind of preface to the hour. Still super somber circumstances. This is the latest from Kelsey Snow from earlier on Thursday. If uh, you're not on social media or you haven't been able to check earlier on Thursday, it was early this morning, around 8 o'clock, I want to say, this morning when uh, Kelsey put out this on Thursday. Uh, Quote, Tess yesterday confirmed that Chris will not wake up. In life, Chris offered his body to a clinical trial to help others. In death, he'll do the same. He remains on life support while organ donations arranged. We are so proud of him, end quote. So that was uh, the somber update from Kelsey Snow on Thursday morning. And so uh, as it was on Wednesday, we'll, we'll remain holding off on the in-memoriams and the memories and, and the reminiscing. Uh, we will hear some comments from the Flames later on this hour, uh, but everything's still very somber around the team for for understandable reasons and um still still remains very strange talking about hockey but i was thinking about this as wednesday was wrapping up and wednesday was just this roller coaster with the pelche news the snowy news the michael news and a game between the flames and jets i i can tell you for a fact that the one thing that that snowy would want is us to keep talking hockey and to keep talking about the team that he uh, that that he um, eats, slept, and bre- breathed, um, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, it it feels super weird to be talking about fourth line combinations and power plays and all that type of stuff, and and yet you know exactly that's what he'd be wanting us to talk about, and would be super pissed off at us if we weren't. So yeah, this, we we both we both knew Snowy decently well for our jobs and and so i can be quite confident of that so that's that's how i'll preface the hour yeah i mean we're we're talking about a guy who four years and then some after being diagnosed with als and and told he had one year to live was at the saddle dome at work on friday and loved to talk hockey as much as anybody um you know the 
that somber feeling has just been so evident, even even with the celebrations about the contract extension for Michael Backlund and the captaincy for Michael Backlund. And as much as Chris Snow might love that the focus is on the players and on the ice, um, yeah, it's just hard right now, I think, to think about anything other than Chris and his wife yep. and their two children. Yep. That's that's very well said and that's exactly it's exactly and then you can see it. It's being worn on everybody's faces around Winsport. And yep. you know, saw saw Connor, one of his um one of his partners in the analytics department today. It was just, you know, you can see they're they're wearing it and talking to a couple people who who knew him really well, even outside of hockey. It's 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 definitely being worn and, and understandably so. Um and, and there we, there yeah, were there were some staff, some flame staff heading to the hospital after practice today. Yes, to uh, to spend some time at at Chris's side, and uh, yeah, you just uh, man, it just it just hits it, doesn't it? Yeah, second straight day. Yeah. Um, and and we will hear some comments from uh, a few members of the Flames a little bit later on this hour. But it was also with with that somber feel. It was also day one of Michael Backlund's captaincy. Uh, if, if we don't count Wednesday, the day that your name doesn't count, the Michael Backlund, we're in, a, we're in our Michael Backlund era, as uh, many people have put it. Uh, it began on this Thursday, September 29th, and that means we got our first reaction from the team, the coaching staff, his teammates, uh, and... Not surprisingly, a lot of people were on board at Winsport earlier on Thursday. Like, this is lots of smiles, lots of it's about time, damn right, all that type of stuff. The reaction, as you'd expect, to Michael Backlund getting that seat. Yeah. If or this, as you said, the second seat. If, if this was a a vote, it was a landslide. Yep. And the consensus, the the agreement today, and, and listen... Michael Backlund's buddies have not been shy about telling us that they thought he should be the next captain of the Calgary Flames. And now that he's signed, now that he's staying, now that he's wearing the C, you talk to a bunch of teammates today who were both really proud of him, but also really pumped for what this means for the Flames franchise. They think he should have been wearing that thing for the last two seasons. And it's, it's, Right, like that's that's one of the th- like Rasmus said it, I think Huberdo said it. Like, hey, you should have already had it. Yeah, and that's not that's not a criticism necessarily. It's just like, yeah, it's just, why why wasn't this already done? <laughs> I was already? like, yeah, guys, I know you guys were debating it. Who should be the captain? But yeah, it was Michael. Yeah, come on, let's uh, let's hear some of the reaction from Winsport after practice, which, by the way, was a very specialty practice. All power play penalty kill until the end when they did good chunk of three on three and then did a shootout drill. So and that was both groups. So they had kind of the mainish group and then the 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 next group identical practices and yeah power plays penalty kills. Then the three on three, which was a good fifteen minutes or so, they practiced three on three. Yeah, and then uh, a shootout drill to to wrap it all up. And, and you mentioned last night in Winnipeg, also Monday in Seattle. We should mention two and zero oh in the shootout in the preseason. Doesn't mean much. Wasn't a lot of your regulars. But as a couple people on the text line have said, 
It's nice to see them win a couple games in a shootout. I'm not <laughs> yeah. used to that. I might have to update my template. Uh, exactly. Uh, here is, uh, by the way, that was practice on, on Thursday. Next game is Friday against the Oilers. Scotiabank saddled them. That'll be preseason game number five. But here's head coach Ryan Huska gave a really, really good answer to Hey, Michael Backlund's your captain, and uh, why is this the right choice? We talked earlier about the importance of a captain having a great relationship with his teammates, uh, with the coaching staff, and with the management group because there's so many different things that come into play um, when you when you wear that C on your on your chest. Um, the players or his teammates were almost unanimous in conversations with them that they thought he was the the best person to represent them. Uh, our coaching staff. Um, you know, along the way, you're always hopeful that a guy will sign uh, a longer-term contract, with, which made our decision um, really easy. And when it comes to his r- relationship with management, too, I mean, you, you can look no further than Craig and Michael playing together. So there's the start of a relationship that gets built there. But Michael really understands the importance of community and understands what it means to be a Calgary Flame. Um, so when you combine all that stuff um, together, he's just a, a great choice for us. And I know one that is going to do a great job leading this team. So there's the head coach. That's Ryan Huska. His thoughts on Michael Backlund. Now a few of the teammates and two of the names. I, I would say there were probably when it was all said and done in the lead up to this announcement on Wednesday, probably what, seven, eight guys that were either on the record or that you and I would have talked to off the record. They were like, well, yeah, it's, it's Michael. Yeah. Um, and so one of those guys on the record was Rasmus Anderson going all the way back to late last season. Uh, here's Rasmus on his longtime teammate being named captain of the Flames. Happy for him. Uh, uh, you know, if there's one guy who deserves it, it's Bucks. That's for sure. Uh, you know, he's been there a long time. He's, uh, I've said it before, he's our leader on and off the ice. And um in my opinion, should have had it a few years ago. Razzy, is there an example that comes to mind? I know sort of last year, nobody, you know, there was a lot of examples where he was showing that type of leadership. Is there something, and you know him well enough to say this, where he has kind of made that difference about why he is a natural fit? Uh, I think, you know, like for each new guy who comes in, uh, you know, he's so good at like welcoming everyone to the team. And, uh, you know, for playing bad, he's the one that, uh, you know, talks to the Talks to the team, talks to the coaches, whatever, you know, stands up in front of you guys. And um, But, you know, he, he's, such a, he's such a good human being. He just kind of tries to take care of everyone around him. Since you've been around the room, obviously Gio was their captain, but have you seen an evolution just sort of in Michael and the way that he, he leads in any way, shape, or form, or has it been pretty steady since you've been around? No, I mean, he's, uh, I think he was around 30. 29:30 when I came in, so you know he's always been in the league for many years before that, and um, I think him and uh, him, Gio, and uh, I'll try to think here. Someone else was Monty, obviously was the leaders when I came in, and um, you know Bax has been a leader in my eyes ever since I stepped, uh, ever since I got drafted, and ever since I stepped a foot in that dressing room, and uh, when I kind of became a regular and. Um, you know, I think uh, when him and Gio were the captain and assistant, they were a really good team. And I think, uh, you know, now when Bax's taking over, um, with, along with Tanny and, you know, Hubie and Lindy, it's going to be a really good team. There's Rasmus Anderson and uh, some thoughts on Michael being named captain. And he had had Michael not signed and, and given them the indication that it 
probably wasn't going to happen or he wasn't going to make up his mind in time for them to name a captain for the season. It may very well have been him yeah. wearing that, that C on his shoulder. And I, I'm curious if when they finalize the leadership group, if he's not wearing a letter um, in, in the A form. Right. Because um, we know Tanev, we know Lindholm, uh, we know Huberdeau, but there's, there is some room because Backlund moves up to wearing the C. So there's a, at least one vacant alternate spot in there. And if it were Rasmus who got that on, on his shoulder, I don't think anybody would be surprised. No, I, I don't think so. I think he'd absolutely be deserving. In fact, as I was listening to what he was saying about Michael Backlund and, and the way he leads and, and just how deserving he is of the captaincy, I, I was thinking to myself, geez, they're going to still have to find a way to put a letter on Rasmus Anderson's number four. I, I really yep. do believe that. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think with the, uncertainty still about the future of a couple of the other guys in that cast of alternates that Rasmus Anderson is a core part of your leadership group moving forward. And if you can get him, I guess, officially implemented in that, yep. I think it's the time to do it. Well, and he's got a few years left on his deal. Uh, three years, uh, three years to go on his deal. Michael's here for three more years as well. Who knows what happens after that? And and honestly, I th- I'd be, I think it'd be super cool if if Michael had a couple more one year contracts after this. If that's the way it goes, and and you know took a shot at that all time games played record. I just think it's an interesting conversation to have. Um, that surprises me, Pat. I I didn't know you'd be pulling for him to stick around another eight. 10, maybe 12 years. Could you years. tell how I was hiding my disdain for him uh, when he was with us? <laughs> I, you know, I think for the past 15 seasons, as a testament to you being a true pro, you've done a great job of hiding it the whole time. Yeah, I just cannot, cannot stand the person. <laughs> uh, I also think he's a garbage hockey player. <laughs> Anybody who listens to this program knows that that is um, obviously sarcasm. But wouldn't that be a great successor? Because... Everything Rasmus has said has been very, it sounds like he wants to be here and wants to be a flame and considers himself, even though he's only got three years left on his current contract and he has the option to go elsewhere, as it stands right now, I'd be surprised if he's not signing a big money eight-year extension when this is all said and done. And he would be a great successor whenever the time comes. Would be a great successor for Michael Backlund as captain. Would be a great candidate as the 22nd captain in franchise history. And I think that's what makes the selection yesterday of Michael Backlund as the 21st captain in franchise history such a slam dunk is I don't believe there's one guy in that dressing room thinking, why him? Why not me? And I'm not sure that would have been the case if you didn't have Michael Backlund extended and went with someone else. And I, I don't know that it necessarily would have lingered, but there's no one feeling jobbed today because Michael Backlund and not them was named the captain. And I think that's what makes this just such a, I keep using basketball terms, but that's what makes this such a layup for the flames. It was, you know, as, as my colleague, Danny Austin joked today, it sounds like this was about the easiest decision they could have possibly made. Yep. And 
They it was did. right there on a platter for Oh, him. my goodness. If, if, if Michael and the team could come well, to come to an agreement on a deal. And I know people are going to be listening, you know, screaming at the radio or, or the podcast. Well, you said all summer it should be Anderson or, or you talked about Huberto. Well, Uyghur, all those whatever. discussions were predicated on the idea that Michael Backlund wasn't willing to commit. And Michael told us in that great sit down we had with him in the hot stove lounge yesterday, you know, Ryan Huska came to me and made it clear, listen, it would be pretty tough to name you captain if you're not committed to this. Well, the commitment changed and then the captaincy part was easy. Yep. Another one of those, you just mentioned Jonathan Huberdeau's name. He also spoke about it when he uh, met up with us at Min- Winsport earlier on Thursday. This guy, you know, has been here forever and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a true leader. It's a guy, you know, you want to you wanna play for and work work for him and, you know, he, sh- he shows the way off the ice, on the ice and, um, you know, I think he, he, I'm really happy for him. I think, you know, we didn't know what, what was going to happen, but you know, it's a relief for us. It's a guy you want to have in the room and on the ice even more. We sort of heard he was kind of the captain last year in your guys' eyes anyways, eh? Yeah, I mean, uh, I said it, you know, like three or four days ago. So I think he, he he would be the captain if he stays. And, you know, that's what happens. We're really happy for him and happy for us. What uh, were examples of stuff he does as a like before he, when he wasn't the captain now? He's, what, what, what are some examples of leadership that you've seen at the back? And the way he brings everybody together, you know, try to set up some some team events, stuff like that. And the way it works on the ice, it shows, you know, this is the way a captain, you want to, you know, follow the leader. And he's that, that guy, I mean, PK, you know, he doesn't take a, a shift off and or a night off. And that's the kind of, you know, a player he is and person in the room as well, you know, as a family guy. The thing he does in the community, it's uh, tremendous. I mean, i only been here, you know, last year, but I know he, do, he does a lot. I see him, you know, on social media all the time. So. He's a, he's a type of guy. He deserved to be captain. It took a while, but I think it should have been done before. But, you know, now it's the day, and I, I feel like uh, I'm really happy for him. There you go. There's just a, a little bit of reaction from day one of the Michael Backlund era of took, the Calgary Flames. It took a while. Like, Michael, what 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 was the holdup here? <laughs> it took a while. Uh, we We barely got to dissect that chat we had with him on Wednesday. Right. There was a lot there. Like I, I, I came away with that and, and I walked out of there and then waited for an Uber for 20 minutes to get back here to do the rest of the game. Um, I walked out of there like, that's the, the sit down that you, that you and I had with Michael. I was like, that's one of the like more memorable interviews I've and and I've interviewed Michael countless countless times. Sure, but just like one of the more memorable interviews I've done in this job, it, like the when he was talking about his grandfather and staying at his at the the job he was at for thirty years and how that made an impact on him and how you know his grandfather made a big impact on him wanting to stay here and continue the legacy in Calgary and and not go elsewhere. And when you asked him about the. Uh, you know, the, the living room and, you know, what, and then he described his living room to us <laughs> yeah. and how he and, and Frida, his wife were going through the pros and cons of, of whether or not he should stay and, and how the pros just overwhelmed the cons. And, and even him, like his first answer to us lasted like 90 seconds when he just 
or longer when he went through the entire thought process from April 14th to September 27th. And just, I came away with it saying, yeah, I mean, everything that I heard from him in the news conference or when he sat down with us, everything just screamed that this was the right choice for him too, for him to be the captain and the right choice for him to extend so he could be the captain. And all these people on, on social media talking about how, well, he only stayed because he was named the captain. So like that. And I don't, I don't think that's true. No, but if it were true and being the captain of the Calgary flames was the thing that pushed him over the top to stay. So what's wrong with that? Like that's, that's, Hey, he wants to, wants to be, wants to be in that role. And, and that is the thing that drove home the commitment. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. That sounds pretty good to me. That, that was that important to him, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It'd be the equivalent of saying, well, he only left for the money. You know, there's things that sway you to make a decision. And I don't believe it was, you know, this isn't Michael Backlund robbing the equipment room. Give me the C or else. Yeah. But if that was part of the appeal of staying a Calgary Flame is, is leading a group that he's already the leader of, I have no problem with that. You know, I, I drove away last night thinking the same thing you did. Like just, I guess, thinking back on on that conversation with Michael and, and you know, those who know me have heard me talk in the past about, you know, one of the highlights of my career was spending two and a half weeks at the Olympics. And, and I always talk about, you know, what sets that experience apart is you're talking to people and you can tell this is such a special thing. This isn't, this isn't normal. This is such a special thing for them to be a part of. It's such a special moment in their life. Well, I got that feeling from Michael Backlund. Yep. Like yesterday, his pride, like his heart was pounding out of his chest. He was so proud to take over the captaincy for the Calgary Flames. He was so proud to receive that jersey and what a cute setup from his daughter. Like you could tell this wasn't like, oh, thanks guys. That's great. This really means something to Michael Backlund. I, I just thought that really shone through in our chat. With so him. I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school and, and uh, if I am, I apologize, but I, I don't think that the, anybody would be upset of me saying this. Michael rushed when, when this all happened and the, and the contract got finalized, he uh, rushed to go get his kids from school and made sure he could go get his, his two children and, and get Frida and get them to the saddle dome so that they could be there for it so that they could be a part of the uh, announcement so that they could be wearing the, the jerseys and make it a special family moment. And so he rushed to do that, which is why it was at three 30 PM and not earlier in the day. Cause the earliest that he could go get the, the kids and be at the saddle dome was at around 20 after three. And so, yeah, it was, it was special. Yeah. It was not just like, Oh yeah, I'm the captain now. Like, it was, th- th- this meant a lot to him. And so I think, I think it's a good thing that it meant that much and was part of the reason why he wanted to stay again. Like there's nothing wrong with something like that, convincing a guy to stay at a place. 
Yeah, and and one of the things I I had a chat with him before I came downstairs to jump on the show with you. I had a chat with him shortly after the press conference, and and he was adamant about one thing, and that's that I I still want to win, and I always talked about how special it would be to do it here in Calgary. That part, like if we think Michael Backlund is trading the C for what he thinks is a legitimate chance to go on playoff runs, and some people might think that's far-fetched, right? Some people don't think the Flames are that close to contending. Michael Backlund's not one of them. Yep. Sounds a lot Sounds a lot like his GM. Uh, I know that Craig had interviewed in one spot in Buffalo before uh, he got this job a few years later, and, and I know that he had, you know, looked into other jobs to see if he could become a general manager in the NHL, as anybody would. But I can tell you that Craig Conroy... If he had his druthers, he's like, yeah, I want to be... If I had to stay as an AGM and win a Stanley Cup with the Flames as opposed to being a GM somewhere else, he'd probably choose option A. And definitely, if he had if he had to... If he knew it was going to go the way it did, and he knew that in 2023 he'd be named GM of the Flames, and he was offered in 2018 another job, but he had to wait five years to become GM of the Flames, he'd choose, the, he'd choose staying in Calgary all day long because... The, this is where this is now where home is, and so I, I think that very similar parallels there with with Michael and and staying with the Flames as well. You know, the guy that I was thinking a lot about it, and just in in the sense of what others have sort of learned, or or you know, the legacy of what happened is, is Jerome McGinley, and Jerome set off to win a championship, and nobody in Calgary would fault him. For one second for that he he absolutely wore his heart on his sleeve for 1200 and some regular season games the the most all time here at the saddle dome and but it sort of illustrated that the ray bork model is really hard it's it is getting more and more difficult and michael backland talked about this yesterday to look at the list of 32 teams and figure out where you're gonna go win a championship. Yep. Jerome went to Pittsburgh where he was going to be Pittsburgh. playing with Sidney Crosby and they had such a stacked team and, and Jerome might put them over the top. Well, it didn't work. So he signed in Boston where they had such a stacked team and, and looked like as good of a bet to win as anywhere. Well, it didn't work there. You're going to, and I would never fault a guy. I'm not faulting Jerome. I wouldn't have faulted Michael if it worked out differently for going to try and chase a title, but it's really hard to figure out how that's going to work. And that's something that Michael Backlund talked about yesterday. They did that list of pros and cons. And he said, we started talking about the pros of going somewhere else. And it was just so much uncertainty. Yep. He's Wes. I'm Pat. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk as we continue along on a Thursday. Flames now have four preseason games in the book. They have four to go, including Friday's game against the Edmonton Oilers. Preseason never lasts long enough, does it, Pat? Well, I think uh, if they could make it 16, let's just do that. (laughs) Make it 82. Do 82 and 82. That way you know they'll be ready for an 82-game season. (laughs) Uh, We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement. You visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com.
Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's go inside hockey on this Thursday edition of Flames Talk for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. As we move closer to the start of the regular season, Flames start in less than two weeks. The regular season is around the corner. And back for another year on Flames Talk is our Pacific Division insider. As we say hello to Jonathan Davis of the NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us right now inside hockey. Hello, J.D. How are we doing? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. I know it's a tough day in uh, in your neck of the woods. And, uh, yeah, heartfelt sympathies to the Snow family. Yeah, it's been a uh, it's been a rough last forty eight hours, no doubt about it. So, uh, I, all all thoughts and prayers on this show, and uh, all good vibes to the the Snow family, no doubt. Well, JD, uh, let's just let's just dive in on some of these Pacific Division conversations because rosters are starting to shape up, camp battles are starting to emerge, storylines are starting to develop. Let's start in your neck of the woods. You're a SoCal guy. Let's start with the Anaheim Ducks. And they still don't have two of their most important players under contract. What the heck's going on on the Trevor Zegras and Jamie Drysdale front? Yeah, it just seems like a game of chicken. And Patrick Beek is, you know, he's heard from Steve Eiserman. And, you know, I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm just, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm very, very surprised. I think that, you know, in the case of Zegras, uh, I, I think the Ducks are trying to be careful. I don't, you know, I, I just don't think they want to give this guy the house yet because I, I think, in all honesty, Pat, there's some, there's some concerns just more, you know, off the ice. This is, um, you know, a guy that uh, you know we, we've seen or many have seen plastered on social media. He's got, you know, a very popular girlfriend right now, and I think that a lot of what's gone on with Zegers um, is still trying to learn to become a pro. And I think the Ducks are trying to be cautious. Not that there's any question about his talent, but I think it's still, you know, let, let's, let's, uh, they're just not ready to give the house up. And I think Zegers is seeing what other guys are being paid. And mm-hmm. uh, so we're, 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 we're playing a, a game of chicken. In, in Drysdale's case, I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, again, you know, you're looking around the league, you're seeing what other comparables are. Um, I, I think you also want to be careful, though. You know, you don't want to alienate, you know, two of your your, your future stars in your team uh, at this point in their career. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we still have time. The season hasn't started yet. Um, you know, uh, guys, the guys are skating. Um, so th- there's still a lot of time. But I, I, I don't think this is something that really benefits either side. Agreed. And we've seen many times uh, how that uh, can manifest itself. Uh, you uh, you also are looking for a, a good season, big season for Mason McTavish, eh? Yeah, I mean, look, this is you know this is a guy that that, that plays the game the right way, and I, and I think that you know you're talking about a, you know a first round draft pick, and uh, no one's no one's going to push Mason McTavish around. He had a really good year. You know, uh, you know, he, he's put up some good numbers already. And so I think, you know, this is a guy that they're counting on to take the next step. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised one day if this is a guy that wears a C. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I'm looking for a good year for Mason McTavish. 
Let's uh, bump over to L.A. in uh, the 405. Or I, don't, I don't know what freeways you take to get from Anaheim to L.A. 405, does that sound right? Oh, God, Pat. That's one of them. I mean, there are many ways to go, Pat. <laughs> Trust me, when you're dealing with all the wonderful traffic out here, uh, yeah, uh, there are a lot of options. Great, me- great metro in L.A., though. Great metro. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about Arthur Kaliev. Uh, he's got himself a big opportunity in this camp. He does, and it's like I've been, been touting this, you know, Kaliev for quite some time. And, you know, remember this is a guy that scored 50 goals in Hamilton uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, I, I just don't, you know, I don't think he's really been given a legitimate shot, uh, you know, prior in L.A. Uh, but he's, you know, it looks like he's going to get an opportunity this year to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kevin Fiala. And, you know, Kaliev is a guy that has been able to make the most of his opportunities when he's gotten them, you know, this is a guy that was leading the team, you know, in power play goals at one point last year before, you know, derailed by injury, uh, you know, just never really got a, a legitimate shot. But I mean, you know, we've seen his points per game, you know, steadily climb over the years. I mean, he scored what 27 goals in, in two seasons in very, very limited action. So I think, you know, he needs to be in the top six and he was doing that. He's only playing in a bottom six role and, and the odd power play opportunity. So getting the opportunity to play with two highly skilled players, uh, I think, you know, this is a guy that has a chance to flourish. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at some of the moves that L.A. has made and some of the guys that they have lost, you know, here's a guy that could pick up the slack, you know, even of a Gabe Velarde. Want to ask you about a couple of defensemen? I don't know if if you follow the NHL on social media at all, uh, you would have no way not to know that Jordan Spence was born in Australia. Uh, so there's there's that. Uh, but uh, Jordan Spence and Brant Clark, a couple of defensemen pushing for spots uh, with the LA Kings right now. Yeah, and well, look, Jordan Spence made it quite clear he was born in Australia, but he left when he was one. I mean, that that conversation got very old, <laughs> yeah, very I know. quickly. I know. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to add to that, that part of the conversation. But there is no question. This is a guy that's really, he's had to work hard for everything. And, you know, I think, you know, he was frustrated by the fact that he didn't get, the, you know, an opportunity to play in the NHL on any type of regular basis last year. When he had the chance, you know, two years ago to play in the playoffs, he really handled himself quite well. And it was, you know, it's my understanding that, that Spence was told, you know, he will be on the NHL roster this year. He was told that last year. Like, Rob Blake knows that he needs to find room for him. I think Brant Clark is still a work in progress. I mean, you keep hearing, you know, you hear, at least in these neck of the woods, that, you know, he's supposed to be the heir apparent to Drew Doughty. Well, there, there's a lot of work in, in Brant Clark's game, both on and off the ice, before he's the heir apparent to Drew Doughty. I, I, I'm very excited about what, lies ahead with Jordan Spence. He, he can handle the power play. He's very mature. Um, and this, like I said, this is a guy that's had to work hard for everything. Uh, you know, he may not be as skilled, may not have the natural skills that maybe a Brant Clark does, but, uh, you know, he, he's got more of what it takes, I think, to be an, you know, to be an elite player right now. I think there's still a lot that, that Clark needs to work on. And I would, you know, Brant Clark, for me, I, I think, Pat, he's a guy that's going to find himself shuttling back and forth between the Ontario Reign and, and the L.A. Kings. I don't think this is a guy that's going to be here 
you know, throughout the year. Uh, final stop in your neck of the woods, and that's in Vegas, where uh, there's a, a quite, an, quite an interesting, and a guy who's not uh, unfamiliar with this division, quite an interesting PTO in Max Comtois, who's fighting for a spot on this Vegas roster. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's got an opportunity to play alongside William Carlson this year. I mean, Comtois is a guy that, you know, that Vegas obviously knows from, you know, playing against him in his Anaheim days. It, it, it was a struggle, you know, for Comtois last year. I mean, he really hasn't played, you know, to his potential the last couple of years. But like I said, you know, Vegas got to look at him, you know, and like one year he scored, I think it was like five goals in eight games uh, against the Golden Knights. He's looked pretty decent, uh, you know, early on in training camp. And like I said, you know, the, the thought is, is that there's a shot for him to play with William Carlson. He doesn't, you know, Vegas is trying to find guys in the cheap. He's coming in on a PTO. They don't have a lot of cap space, so it's a really good opportunity. By the way, that Vegas-LA game last night, uh, you know, it was the Ontario rain essentially for the LA Kings last night that did battle back to beat Vegas. But it was Hayden Hodgson who laid a hit yes. on Mark Stone last night that uh, definitely ruffled the feathers of the Golden Knights. And as Stone said, look, that guy's not going to see another, you know, an NHL game this year. I'm not great. wasting my, my time. But, uh, yeah, uh, definitely I, I think the L.A. Kings and, and Stone was trying to find an NHL yeah, I was looking for one of their. I was looking for one of their higher profile. Okay, this is how it's, that whole scrum was uh, next level yeah. from Mark Stone. Yeah, he just couldn't find one last night. But you know, the other thing, like watching that game last night, like Mark Stone set up Chandler Stevenson on a power play goal, and, and I, you know, we've talked about. And everybody knows that Mark Stone. You know, no one gets more excited about either scoring or setting up a goal than Mark Stone does. He was very uh, controlled last night. I mean, I don't know. I didn't really know what to make much of the game itself because L.A. didn't, you know, fielded an AHL team, and Vegas just kind of was there. Um, but, uh, yeah, look, Max Comtois got a chance, and, you know, Vegas is going to need, need someone like that. They've got to find some guys on the cheap because of, you know, where they are with the cap. We are chatting with our Pacific Division insider, Jonathan Davis, from NHL Network Radio with us. A few more stops uh, in Edmonton. We, we know that th- this group is focused on one thing and one thing only. It's pretty clear, even from watching some of their games, like the, the preseason, yeah, they can't get that over with quick enough. Regular season kind of feels like it might be the same way. You know you got to make the playoffs, so you can't completely um, skip the regular season, but... There's there, it's it's cup or bust for the Oilers in twenty three twenty four. Yeah, there's there's no question that, that that's the attitude. And, and like I, I you know you, you saw the way the season ended, and I still go back. You know, Pat, we've talked about it before. That you know the interviews with Connor and Leon after they got eliminated, you could see how much it hurt those guys and how PO'd they were. And then Connor has the captain skates. You know, ask everybody to be in you know, in Edmonton by September the 5th, so they can all start skating together. They're on a mission. There's no question about it. You know, ultimately, you know, Stuart Skinner's got to find a way to be better than he was last year. You know, we'll see what happens with Brandon Sutter. Like, that, what a great story that is. Out of the year, out of the league for two years. Yep. But that's the type of player that, that this team and any team would need, but definitely a team like Edmonton, to have a guy like that 
you know what type of compete you're going to get. And, he, and what Gene Principe pointed out to you when I was talking to him yesterday, he would be the first ever Sutter to wear an Oilers uniform. Good point. Never thought of that. Been a few who wore the one down here, but not that's a good point. None of them yeah. have up there. Yeah. Um, well, you and, know, Gene is full. Gene is full of information. Well, we love Gene. It's all in that hair. Um, I yeah. and I really, I really, I, I really am rooting for. Um, I really am rooting yeah. for Brandon Sutter. Um, what about yeah. in Vancouver? Uh, some questions on their back end. Uh, there's no doubt about that. That's going to be a, an area that they're. I think we're going to be talking about their defense for a good chunk of the season. And is it is it something where they can maybe be greater than the sum of their parts or not? Well, I think that remains to be seen. But look, I think the big right now to me the big story for Vancouver is the fact that they put Spencer Martin on waivers today, which doesn't come as a surprise when they when they uh, acquired Casey the Smith, you know, from Montreal, but. I'm just, I'm wondering, I'm waiting to see, you know, is it Tampa? Is it Colorado? Like Spencer Martin's going to get claimed. There's no question. I mean, especially when you look at, you know, the injury situation, you know, Vasilevsky out with, with, uh, with Franco's out right now. I think that, uh, you know, if nothing else, Spencer Martin becomes a stopgap. I would think for one of the, for, for somebody, the very least, especially on a, a cheap price. So, but going back to your question about the blue line, yeah, you know, I don't know if the sum of the parts is going to be good enough. They're they're yeah. still trying to figure out where where guys slot. You know, who's going to play this year with Quinn Hughes? Right? Like right now, that remains a, a really big and significant question because uh, I don't think you know I don't think Rick Tockett is sure right now. But you know, the, I think really for me, Pat, the other thing is is that Rick Tockett is trying to send a message right away. That what happened last year, you know, we heard JT, you know, JT Miller, I think it was, talked about it with Elliot and Jeff. I mean, last year was just such a dumpster fire. He's making sure that everybody understands that you're earning a job. I don't care who you are and what you did last year. You know, last year was last year. And so I think, you know, I think the Canucks see that there is an opportunity to make some headway in the division. And we'll see. You know, Ian Cole may be a guy that can play on the second pairing. But they've got a bunch of guys that are either twos and threes. So uh, I don't know whether it's Cole or Susie or Tyler Myers. I don't know what they're going to do, you know, about a guy who plays in that top pairing. And they'll be better on the penalty kill. But, uh, yeah, it's – I don't know. It's going to be interesting, and it'll it'll be a question that haunts Vancouver, I think, throughout the year. And they may just have to outscore the opposition. And finally, I wanted to ask you about uh, two players in Seattle and whether or not they end up making the opening day roster. Ty Cartier was an AHL sensation last year, looked good in Seattle's game up here earlier this week, and then, of course, fourth overall pick, recent fourth overall pick, Shane Wright. Yeah, look, I think Cartier stays. I mean, I you know, I, I think that, that he, he's a guy that will make this team. I mean, you know, at 22 years old and, you know, you talk, you know, you talk about, it. I mean, he's got what he had scored 28 goals and 57 points, you know, what in the AHL, I mean, this is, you know, this is a guy that uh, played a significant role for them in their, in their, uh, you know, in their playoff run last year in the AHL, then got, you know, got his shot, you know, with, with the Kraken. Shane Wright, I'm still not sure, you know, um, there's definitely an opportunity for him. Uh, but I think Karche right now, that is, is a guy that, uh, I think has a better shot at being at least a more significant contributor than Shane Wright. Yeah. I look, 
the, the, the Kraken have an opportunity if Wright can be that guy. Uh, they could be really solid down the middle. I mean, I've heard people questioning Matty Beneers. I can't remember who I was reading about just saying they didn't really put him as a legit 1C. I, I don't know what more Matty Beneers, you know, what else he, you know, what he hasn't done in his short career to, to, to concern anybody about that this guy's legit. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big Matty Beneers fan as well. Um, good stuff, JD. Good to catch up with you. We'll do it again next week. Looking forward to uh, chatting Pacific Division with you all season. Appreciate it, pal. All the best to you, bud. All the best. Take care. Thanks for having me. You too. Thanks, JD. Uh, that's uh, Jonathan Davis, NHL Network and NHL Network Radio, joining us inside hockey. Uh, inside hockey's for Calgary Co-op. Hello, fans. Calgary Co-op has refreshed its membership just for you. Now you can shop, save, and win with the new Calgary Co-op app. Download on the Apple Store and Google Play Store. Thank you to Jonathan for joining us on the program this hour. I wanted to I wanted to bookend this hour. We we started it as Pat and West with you here on Flames Talk. We we started it with the uh, preface that you know we're talking hockey, we're talking Flames, all that type of stuff. But we're doing it with a super heavy heart and, and doing it with a very, very somber. It's just everything feels somber right now with the uh, Chris Snow situation. It just does. You and I were both at Windsport earlier on Monday, uh, on Thursday, rather, and uh, a few players, Ryan Huska, talked about it. It's, it's weighing on everybody right now, isn't it? Yeah, there there's a real uh, down mood around the team, as you would understand that that's the staff. That's the players, you know, that's those of us who are there every day in whatever capacity. Um, no doubt the number of, uh, of lives that Chris Snow has impacted in Calgary. And it sounds like such hyperbole, hyperbole, hyperbole. Thank you. It's not like around the world. Yep. Around the world. This is head coach Ryan Huska asked about him on Thursday morning. I think he was one of my bigger supporters in, in helping me get this job. So he, he means a, a significant amount to me. Um, it's a tough time and we're, we're there for their family. I mean, that's what, that's what we're about here. Um, you, you know, you're, so we're, your heart goes out for what they're going through right now, but we know he's, uh, he's a guy that's going to continue to continue to fight like he always has. Um, but we're most definitely with uh, Kelsey and the kids for sure. It's it's not easy, especially when you do have a family of your own. Um, yeah, it's it's not an easy time for them for sure or or us. That's head coach Ryan Huska, and uh, we'll close off the hour hearing from Rasmus Anderson. You know, obviously very sad. Um, you know, we talk about it quite a bit in the room, and uh, you can tell that the mood is down. And um, you know. Uh, just the way he's been battling it and you know he never complains and uh, every time you see him he's had a smile on his face and um, and just a hard worker love hockey love the flames and um, you know he's been there obviously since I got drafted and uh, and you know it's uh, he's the kind of guy you could have come to with like if you wanted to improve your game and uh, he would be the first in line to help you out and show you the stats where you're good at and what you need to improve on. And, uh, you know, you just feel so sad for um, for him and his entire family. Grass, that never complains part. Can you, can you just put into words how inspiring that is given, you know, the, all the things he has dealt with? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's... I, I can't really put it into words because it's, uh, it's something you admire about him and... Um, 
And, you know, it's just, I mean, I, I you know, if, if I got it or anyone else, I'm sure I would complain quite a bit. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, he never complained. I never saw him down. I never saw him complaining about anything. And uh, he was, uh, you know, very strong until, uh, until today. And, um, and it's, it's something you, uh, you know, you, you, appreciate, uh, you appreciate his fighting. And, um, you know, you kind of look yourself in the mirror sometimes when, uh, when you find yourself complaining. That's for sure. That's uh, well said by Rasmus Anderson, well said by Ryan Huska. Uh, just remains really somber around the Flames and uh, good vibes, all the thoughts and prayers to the snows as uh, as we start to wrap this hour up. That comment from Rasmus Anderson, you, you kind of look yourself in the mirror sometimes when you catch yourself complaining. That one's going to stick with me. Yep. That one, and uh, I think it was trade deadline day last season, Brad Treliving, yeah. um, what he said about, you know, you think you have bad days or something. It was something like that. And yeah. It, it was just, uh, I, I'm going to see if I can pull it for uh, next hour because that one really stuck with me as well. He's Absolutely. Wes Gilbertson on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. Thanks to Cam and Taylor, uh, our producers this hour, and this hour has been coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com.